to Mind Crime Living Show. Today we discuss, was the COVID-19 regime failure a white pill or a black pill? Tim. We started our show almost about four years ago in 2020 um, from this absurdity, uh, which which this absurdity, aka the war on COVID-19, formerly known as coronavirus, um, a lot of people on the right and libertarian right also had a dance with the regime. Uh, and not just a dance, a outright love affair with the regime. I mean, you get the regime COVID libertarians too. So it's not just, um, it wasn't just a perfect score. As Peter Hitchens likes to state, not everyone was a skeptic like I was, and us for that matter. We were skeptics from basically week one. Um, I was at a Bible study recently, and one of the questions was, what is a verse or you like or think about? I didn't answer publicly, but the one I like is, um, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as is as it is this day to save many people alive. Um, so this is sort of like a, you know, s- s- some people do things for evil, but the consequences in the long run are good um, or good for overall, so to speak, or good for certain people. Um, COVID-19 was a total regime failure. Uh, think Taliban in Kabul dancing. Think fall of Saigon. Uh, think uh, something like th- those would be the two sort of similar examples here. Think the war on drugs for that matter too. Um, recently has come out that Fauci even admits the six feet is BS. Um, when will the vaccine be next? I mean, RFK Jr. has been on shows like Bill Maher. He's been on shows like um, he even been on Reason Magazine. And Reason again, Reason Magazine was atrocious on this. Um, and he made he embarrassed Nick Gillespie and the other people in a pretty awkward interview. He was pretty good for himself. Again, I know RFK Jr. has lots of issues, so to speak, of other areas. But on this area, he was quite good. He wrote the book The Real Fauci. Um, and also, speaking of Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Jimmy Dore is now like interviewing Alex Jones. Jimmy Dore started out on the Sank Uger show, Young Turks. Um, Jimmy Dore actually went through the Google review process early on to be an official disinformation guy. Look this up. And, and he's actually vaccine injured, from my understanding. And he's a critic of all this stuff, too. He brings up immigration, how immigration in the third world. Um, same way with Max Blumenthal. He brings up the fact that the third world, um, no, only rich countries could do lockdowns because they just basically print money. Um, who's going to, you know, where it's places like Guatemala or, or El Salvador or even China, um, where, you know, how are you going to get the uh, resources? You can't exactly work from home. Or they don't have the same central bank privileges that certain Western states have. I bring up Blumenthal and um, um, Dore uh, just because there are people who, four, five, six years ago, everyone would say they're on the quote-unquote left. So what what we see emerging is a left-right alliance um, on the on the COVID resistance front, and I view this as a very good thing. Um, um. Now, there is people who say that someone like Alex Jones is controlled opposition. For that matter, that could apply to a lot of different people that are people view as dissident. I would say it's a mistake to view them as controlled opposition. There's no difference. Uh, 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 to say that there's no difference between him and CNN or, or like BBC. Uh, I think there's I think there's a clear difference. They're less controlled. I will say. Uh, and one of the ways, one of the persons who I think, that, uh, Jeffrey Tucker, another person who has sort of redemption narrative for the libertarian side, 
uh, and we did an episode, it was Jeffrey Tucker Wright about something, I forget the exact uh, uh, title we used, um, is that Trump, Trump was actually, Trump ran on draining the swamp and preventing wars and so forth, but he ended by giving Fauci and Burks basically a white, basically a, a blank check um, to do anything that they want, more or less, while they publicly made fun of Trump, the Fauci, Burks, his health advisors, so to speak. Um, um, and another person on the right who did poorly was Rod Rayer. Rod Rayer was someone who didn't let his kids play outside. I remember him saying that on the blog. I got a big fight on the comment section early on, where I just bring up Peter Hitchens. You know, he said, look, I'm just repeating what Peter Hitchens says, and you're, this is not, this is a fake manufactured crisis, and you're Mr. Benedictine Option here, and you're falling for this. So a lot of people on the right went poor, or libertarian, or whatever you want to call um, this community. But what we're seeing is, now, now there's plenty of good people too that did Ron Paul, for example. So what we're seeing is a resistance axis forming of people assorting, so to speak, of people who fell for it and didn't fall for it. And the didn't fall for it are kind of going off into the deep end. Um, someone like Russell Brand, someone like Jimmy Dore, but also people like Tom Woods and others uh, are even more skeptical of the regime in all its sorts of areas, which previously they might not have been. Um, um, so people are looking into all sorts of things. Again, there is, a, so, so I'm going to set up an opposition here. There is the, um, there is the sense that the people who, who went along with it, some of them are doubling down, of course. Okay. So this would be the pessimistic narrative to counter me, you know, as Whitney Webb would point out, no one and others would no one point out, no state agents or politicians have been jailed. Okay. No one's really felt any direct consequences. Who went along with this stuff? Um, the problem is this is basically short of a, losing a war. Politicians and health agents are basically qualified immunity on steroids. So I mean, if you're looking for some trial where Fauci is going to get jailed, uh, he, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I, you can so that is just sort of the nature of statism, so to speak, or you know, reality or justice, so to speak. Uh, uh, so a lot of these guys who went along with it. Just it just looks cringy, dystopian, and they try to distance themselves uh, from this stuff. Um, Stephen Colbert, a classic person in this in this sort of charade. Uh, from my understanding, his reviews, his his ratings are down, uh, as with a lot of the late late night hosts, and um, a lot of the other, you know, the other type regime comedians. Um, no one really likes them. <laughs> Again, so. What I said, what I'm one of my cases here is that four years out, it seems like it seems like the all the quote unquote cranks have been vindicated. There was no victory parade with Gavin Newsom, Stephen Colbert, uh, and others um, showing how much lockdowns, masking, and jabs saved everyone. There's no like I was a veteran of the war on COVID. I did so much good. There was none of that. Um, everyone's just distancing themselves um, uh, from it. And this resistance axis now has exposed some of science, too. Um, and this can help resist the next thing, which is probably forced climate lo alarmist lockdowns or forced veganism or forced climate, uh, forced fossil fuel banning. Um, that, so, so, the, so the methodology of criticizing science and criticizing... Uh, interference in your personal lives on economic fronts like this, um, it's already set in motion. So some of the people have flipped. 
uh, door and brand to somewhat have it. And even Bill Maher, when he was interviewed by um, uh, Candace Owens, uh, at least he listened to Candace Owens bring up Alex Epstein and others, the case. A few years ago, you know, it might not be the otherwise. So my, my case is here is it seems like it seems like there's an there's an optimist there's a certain white pill, a certain optimism that could be read into this. Is this just a temporary victory, Swithin? Or is this or is this or is the black pill is the black pill narrative still the better story? Yes, there's crushed businesses. Yes, people are dying. Yes, Burks and Fauci's have made and Various companies have made billions. Lots of small businesses went out. The bigger deep state. There is a there is a pessimistic narrative as hell. But maybe the optimistic narrative, or the white pill narrative, you know, you know, that's that that's that's my starting point here. So then, what do you think of my case here? Thanks for doing this episode. I think um, the whole debacle was clearly a big black pill insofar as um, what they were able to achieve uh, quite easily. Uh, scaring the population, etc., ridiculously. Um, I still, still, I still see some people wear masks, um, although it's rare. Um, but that, then, that's clearly a black pill. The question is, were there how many collateral benefits were there? I think is the interesting question. It does seem to be the case that very few people now are enthusiastically supporting lockdowns. Um, what they will typically say now, rather than to say that, oh, we um, we save so many lives with lockdowns, what they will say is, well, we did what we could at the time. Um, it's better to be cautious. Yes, we know that this didn't really work that well. Oh, but it could have been so much worse. That's the style of argument you tend to get. Um, same thing with the vaccines is interesting. Um very few people are going to go on record and say how brilliant it is, because it obviously isn't. And the and I think even the most sober defenders of the vaccine will say, well, you know, we had some good. Yes, it's not really that long lasting, but it might save those people uh, who are seriously at risk, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of a good thing. But, yeah, we probably did sort of oversell it. So you are right. No one is all in on everything they did was great. Not even the uh, defenders. That said, there is a public inquiry presently in England, or the UK, on the government's handling of lockdown, uh, which unsurprisingly, being an independent committee set up by the government, isn't really very independent, uh, which has the pre, almost seeming like preconceived uh, goal to say, oh, well, the problem was we didn't lock down early enough or hard enough. So they're still going down uh, that train uh, because you had Carl Hannigan there who was just basically ignored. Um, and uh, what was his comment about the vaccine? It's like, oh, yes. Oh, no, well, lockdowns. Oh, you could have some um, benefits, but here's all the costs. And then the judge who was doing it was like, but there are benefits. Surely we should do it. And he's clearly thinking someone hasn't come across cost benefit analysis before. Um, so it's, um, so even here, I mean, you could say that's a mainstream thing. It, it's still not being considered a bad 
in a strong or even mild, it's kind of considered a halfway house, I think, which is better than the way it was portrayed at the time. How much it will be portrayed like that in the future is another question, uh, where it'll get better or worse. Um, you are right, it has polarised people even more, and there are people, as you rightly point out, you could call it the distant left, I think, uh, who are much more concerned about um, state um, advancement of its uh, power, etc. So, so you consider more about the traditional left. They have certainly come on side. Um, and it, yeah, it's very much of a po polarizing thing. And it has delegitimized the government in uh, a number of people's minds. The big question is, though, even though it might be have less popular support, does it have elite support? And there, I can't really think of anybody who wasn't wholeheartedly in favour of it. But that said, interestingly, you might have expected the oil industry to be very much against lockdown because it very much harmed uh, oil prices. But they didn't seem to, which is interesting. If you, I was listening recently to... Oh, what's the proper Marxist guy who disappeared for a time and then came back again, Caleb Malpin, saying that uh, how he thought of the Roth, basically the Rothschilds and the, and the bank and the oil elite uh, were in favour of, uh, well, around the world, basically, economically. And you would have expected the oil industry to oppose it because the oil price collapsed. Um, now, that said, uh, it, maybe you could argue that was a way of um, getting rid of less competitive competition to weed out the market, maybe, just like that. But um, all my thought is, you know, are the elite completely along, on side with it? Mm, maybe uh, they still seem to be. Uh, I mean, I think one of the most vocal critics was Elon Musk, but he hasn't really gone out in that hard. Uh, and he, he, he straddles an interesting position in sort of elites, although to what extent he is elite is another question. Because um, Caleb Maupin and, and Keith Preston would say he isn't really. Um, there's the, I think the focus really on them is groups of people rather than individuals. And these groups of people have much more power than any individual. And insofar as they have access to resources. I think Keith claimed at one point that uh, Elon Musk was, or did he say, or that some Saudi oil guy helped him buy Twitter or something. Um which kind of makes a bit of a mockery of these sort of like individual net worth, richest man in the world competitions, as it were. Um, so the elite question, I think, is an open one. I'm not sure on that. But certainly on the popular level, people have uh, very much uh, more of disliked it. And also some people who kind of went along with it in the first instance, I think if it was to be brought on again, it uh, would have more organized resistance from the beginning, which might make it more difficult to be imposed. Um, so it's had some collateral benefits. I, oh, this is one of the things I think is probably one of the major ones, although um, is, um, is I think crypto has done better from lockdown. I think in particular concerns about banking privacy, in particular the, um, the son of Fidel Castro in Canada uh, seizing everybody's assets, I think has very much made people think, hang on, any of my assets could just be frozen at any time. Best to have them in a place where they can't be. Um, so I do think crypto has done better 
now than it otherwise would have been. I'm sort of still not all in on crypto, but that very much seemed to me to be a re made me realize actually that's a really big selling point is the privacy angle, uh, especially considering the, the, the freezing of the assets. And ultimately that could end up being a problem with crypto, uh, at least the central banks and stuff, because that's one reason why George Selgin, who is a fractional reserve free banker, doesn't like Bitcoin because you can't easily do fractional reserve banking on this way. He's a down, he's down on it. Uh, although to what extent the financially think they can control is another question because recently the ETF came out, I think BlackRock has one and stuff. So um, whether Bitcoin or crypto will really be a, a thorn in the side of this establishment is another question, but it still does seem to be something that's been good that's come out of, um, of, of lockdown. So, I, I think it's uh, mixed. Oh, one other thing has been, well, that's not really a white pillar search. I think it's made some people's lives nicer insofar as it made working from home easier. And a lot of people had horrible commutes and that seems to be on the way down. Now, granted, there could be more isolation being at home, but the fact that it has more of an option, I think just on regular day-to-day -day life can make some people's life much more pleasant. So that'd be uh, an overview of the um, fallout from the whole lockdown stuff. The word collateral benefits is a is a good is a good phrase or phrase pardon, uh, because I think what I basically listed were the collateral benefits of this action, and most of and the, and as far as the sort of regime defenders so to speak, there's generally two there's two things they were doing everything they could do, or or there's this sort of what I call this this almost absolutist type reason where whatever they did was correct. And we, you can't criticize whatever the science or whatever the regime says is the case. Um, and and when the next crisis, if it does come, comes, the people who do that, I'd say it's going to take more propaganda. It's going to take more uh, scaremongering to get more people into either of into the into the camp of of, of like obeying naturally uh, or quickly, uh, just because the way this one played out. Um, so, because this one is like World War One in, in, in analogy, the Great War, um, if, if 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 there's going to be a second of a repeat, it's going to have they're going to have to have to be very scare the, the elites who want to do this are going to have to be very scaremongery, um, and that's going to be a problem uh, because it's going to be hard. I think you know never underestimate the deep state or these regimes, but. It's going to have to be bigger. So, so there is, there is, there is a black pill narrative there. So that in the sense that they will have to go, and the they equals healthcare elites will have to go all the way because they've tried to re-implement mask mandates here and there, but they so far have been generally defeated. Again, this is in the United States. This is in certain city hospitals and so forth. Uh, but so yes, some of them do might creep back. Okay, but once they get mainstream, they get people so far have seemed to push back and they've just become optional again. Um, so, so, so is that the question I would say going forward here is, and this is more mostly forward looking is were the, were the collateral benefits worth all the collateral costs? Yes. I would prefer if it never happened. Okay. I would prefer it never happened. And I would prefer if you could just go back to 2019 and continue on uh, without this uh, 
fake crisis, so to speak, this manufactured crisis. But since this manufactured crisis happens, um, how do we view it historically? And I think the only way to view it historically is to view it as a failure for the official position. And that, I think, I think libertarians and people who are dissidents need to think that way. You know, it's, there's an argument that's made at Chernobyl, for example, brought down the Soviet Union. That's an argument that I think it's Michael Malice himself in the White Pill uh, makes, is that, or, or made that on Twitter, so to speak, that, that, that Chernobyl, uh, because it was a crisis that they handled poorly, at least seemingly poorly, um, they lost some sort of amount of the consent of the governed, so to speak. You know, how do states, and how do regimes... I don't think the United States or Britain is is exceptional in any in that sense. Um, how do states maintain their 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 monopoly on power? Well, there's an, they do at some level need popular consent. Uh, the number of people, for example, not voting has uh, well, 2020 was a bit of a high spot. But if you go around and ask people, are they voting? You get a huge amount of dissatisfied people who basically say they don't want to vote. They hate both parties. And you know, if, there's a good Trump has his hands in all this stuff, you know, so there's the case against Trump. Now, this is not a case for, like, I don't know, uh, Chris Christie or Nikki Haley either, but there is a case, there is a sort of a dissident case, there is a case against Trump if that you can make that is very libertarian, very right-wing libertarian, um, you know, because he, you know, that's another casualty of this. Um, Trump went along with this stuff early on, um, and he still brags about being, you know, the Operation Warp Speed and those things, which is one of the reasons why, as Jeffrey Tucker would point out, he's uh, stayed away from the debates. Um, so, to, you know, which goes back to the earlier period, the 2016 period. You could argue that's what brought the Donald down, because uh, he was on he was on pace to win the second term. Uh, he was on pace to win the second term here. And I would say another spillover of the collateral benefits is on other issues... There's been polarization and radicalization too. Uh, so, so Israel Palestine. I was a more or less neutral observer to the Israel Palestine conflict up until, up until you know, we did an earlier episode on what ought to be done with about Israel with Keith Preston, and I look back at that episode and I say, well, I'm I'm remarkably mainstream in my views here, and you know, there's been a movement away from that. And again, I think I think I think places like Ukraine, places like Israel, those issues. Again, there's been more of a cross-pollination between the dissident left and the dissident right, especially on the online world. Um, that you know, there's other areas where there's just more skepticism. Uh, so to think of historical failure, think of Vietnam. Um, Vietnam basically destroyed all the goodwill that Korea. And World War Two, the, the regime, United States regime had, because uh, here we are, the richest country in the world is being defeated by people who are just digging holes and putting poles in there with AK-47s, you know, picking off these all these helicopters and and so forth. And if you look at it, the war on COVID, wasn't asymmetrical warfare in the sense that the people resisting it had very little resources. Ron Paul, Jimmy Dore, you and I. And the people who during the 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 war had everything at their disposal, and in places like Australia and Canada, they had lots of they had like this sort of almost Orwellian levels of control. You know, they could just go into the give send go or whatever the 
uh, thing and stake all their money. So this demonstration of the brute power, um, I think, has cynicized or a large amount of people. I don't think there's going to be some mass strike. Um, so in this sense, I'm not a Marxist. Um, as much as I listen to someone like Caleb Malpin or Chris Catrone or various others, or for that matter, Keith Preston, I don't really think there's going to be some movement where everyone wakes up and and for overthrows, create some sort of paradise earth. I don't think that. Um, but I don't think, but, but my, my long-term optimism now is I don't think a dystopia will rule. And I think that the reason is because people like Dorr and Brand and Blumenthal can be flipped. Um, uh, that, that people like that can be flipped. And that, I think, is a benefit here. Yes, the people like Ron Paul were right all along. Um, yes, people like Peter Hitchens were right all along. But what's interesting to me is, rather than going along with it, um, I would say, you know, it's about winning it's about winning castles. This is Aaron McIntyre's argument. It's about winning castles. And on certain issues, I'd say the the, the skeptic position has won a number of castles, a number of, of dissident institutions. Um, and as far as elites are concerned, the growth of Russia and the Saudi Arabian axis, this is a Tom Luingo uh, Gold Goats and Guns podcast would point out, is that the growth of them, they didn't like the fact that oil prices went to a dollar. Um, which is one of the reasons why they've made sure that oil hasn't gone below four dollars, four U.S. dollars a gallon. I uh, I think it's like one hundred and ten. Whatever the barrel rate is different. Um, but Saudi Arabia is sort of broken away from the United States. The Biden regime is sort of pissed off that Saudi Arabia is not pumping more oil uh, in the past few years. So the oil, the oil price. So that's that's another thing about you know will the global elites will the climate change win on the war on oil. Um, so that that's the next war. And I think there's reason to be optimistic that it can eventually, that oil won't event, the oil banners and the fossil fuel banners won't eventually win. Now, there could be a breakthrough technology, the micro-nuclear tech, micro-battery tech, that actually people naturally go away from oil uh, or institutions inside of these naturally go for oil. But I think there's reason to be optimistic. Those are my final comments here. This one might be a shorter episode, Swithin. But do you have any other co- further comments on, you know, what about winning? I think Ron Paul was right. For, there's other people on the libertarian right that was right from the start. But what I, but my overview is that there were a number of people that were that started out as believers of the healthcare narrative, and now are questioning all sorts of things. Um, so I, I view that as a win. If you think, if you want to, if others want to stick to the sort of black pill narrative, they can. But I, I just say it, there's reason to be hopeful. Maybe, maybe that is misplaced optimism. Thanks for doing this. I do think uh, you're right. I mean, it certainly doesn't. I don't know of anybody who was opposed to lockdowns and anything, and then decided, oh no, actually it was a good idea, and I was wrong. I don't think there's anybody like that. But the opposite is true. So in that that respect, um, in in that respect, it's good. Um, I would say also that you're right that it's going to be more difficult to impose a lockdown in the future. Um, unlike other forms of government action, it's so much directly reliant on compliance because there simply are not enough police to do so, and 
unless they were to put the fines really, really, really high, I mean, it's just going to be very, very difficult for them to enforce. Um, where if they didn't have enough because uh, uh, compliance, it's not a critical mass number. I mean, I think they'd only need like five or ten percent to uh, oppose it, and it won't be enforceable because uh, literally there's not enough place. Um, I think, I think the numbers who actually flouted the first time probably under one percent. Um, so obviously that's a lot higher. Um, so I suppose that is good. Um, when it comes to you mentioned with respect to like democracy and people don't care about voting, I actually think that the coronavirus thing will be a pivot away from democracy, as I've mentioned a few times before, a pivot away from democracy as the um, primary uh, sort of justifying ideology of the regime, and it'll be going on to health. I think that's why everything is now a crisis and there's harm. So um, in the, the British government, I can't remember if they did this or not, if the online safety bill wanted to ban things which were, well, basically prevent access to things that are legal but harmful. Everything is harm. Um, the UK something health and security agency put out saying, oh, there's going to be risks to life this week. Why? Because it was icy. It's January. And everything is portrayed in the in a way that the world is out the world is against you and you need to be protected. And who's the best to protect you? Government. That's how it's going. So um I think that they don't particularly care as of yet. Um as I say, when it that people are there's more distance, uh I think they think well as long as the economy isn't too bad the probability of much main resistance is not going to be there and again it's the elite angle um with respect to um chernobyl well, i mean one interpretation i came across i think it seems plausible with respect to the soviet union was that what made the soviet Union fall apart wasn't the fact there was a mass number of people who just decided they weren't going to uh, uh, acquiesce but rather the people who were coming into the Politburo and the newer blood just lost faith in the Soviet system. And uh, when they got critical mass of them saying this isn't working, the whole system collapsed, um, which I think is plausible. So I, I, I think taking a broadly top down elite approach to things, um, if this has influenced the new, the new, the circulating elites to change, then that's going to definitely be a good thing. But as of yet, I'm not exactly sure that that's taking place. Um, but certainly there are some collateral benefits. I will give credit to... Well, first time I heard that term was from Sean Gabb. Uh, I believe in the context of his defence of the British Empire. Um, with that, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean or on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And recently, we broke 200 subscribers on YouTube. So that was good, whoever you were. Assume you weren't a Russian bot, uh, or a bot from America for that matter. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.